Hi guys, I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. And we are here today recording our second episode of the day. Yes. So if you haven't listened to the last episode, you can do that or don't do that. It doesn't really matter. They're they're connected. We're going to talk about how they're connected at the end. But But we wanted to post them separate so that you didn't have to listen to a longer episode at one time. Yes. Okay. So we're going to jump right into it. On May 19 of 1996, which was a Sunday, 20... 20- is it relevant that it's a Sunday? Sure. Why not? I just wanted to ask. Why can't, it, why can't I say it's a Sunday? I just wanted to ask. 24-year-old Julianne Williams and 26-year-old Laura Winnens, who actually goes by Lolly, headed into Shenandoah National Forest for a backpacking trip. They were traveling with their dog, Taj a golden retriever. The, Does the golden retriever die? I guess you're just going to have to find out, aren't no. you? They are from Unity, Maine, which is about a 12-hour drive to the national park. Just a casual 12-hour drive. Just a quick hop over. Julie and Lolly had met at a nonprofit in Minnesota focused on education and adventure travel for women. The two could not be more different. So Julie was working towards being a geologist, and she had won the Minnesota State Double Tennis Championship in high school. She traveled to Europe while in college to study dinosaurs. What? Yeah. I want to go to Europe to study dinosaurs. T-Rexes are just giant chickens, and they were covered in feathers, and I will die on this hill. Okay. She graduated summa cum laude. Good job. Thank you. And she had gotten a new job to start on June 1st. And the trip to Shenandoah was to celebrate this. Right. New job starting. Let's go take a trip. Let's go on a backpacking adventure before you can't. So she sounds like the scholar. Yes. So Lolly was known as a good time girl. She liked drinking and smoking, and she was from a well-to-do family, but rejected the privilege. She enrolled in college, dropped out, enrolled in another college, had been studying to become a wilderness guide, and her friends described her as down-to-earth. Yep. Now, Shenandoah National Park is in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, and the park stretches 105 miles from its northern entrance at Front Royal, to its southern entrance near Waynesboro. It is about 75 miles from Washington, D.C. and covers more than 500 miles of hiking trails and has almost 80,000 acres of wilderness. This is a pretty big park. Yeah. They entered on the Whiteout Canyon Trail, and after a few days, they emerged due to heavy rain and hitched a ride with a ranger and renewed their permit before venturing back in. So what did they, were they out there? Heavy rain got picked up by the ranger, realized that their permit wasn't probably valid and then had to update their permit because they they were with the ranger. Or they might have been heading in to go do that already. I'm not really sure, but yeah. Either way, funny. 
They chose their campsite near a mountain stream off of one of the park's horse trails near Bridal Trail, which is near the Appalachian Trail as well. God, everyone goes missing near the Appalachian Trail. I know. It was May 31, 11 days after the pair walked into the wilderness, that Julie's father reported her missing. A search by park rangers located the women's car just north of Skyland Lodge. And they immediately started searching the nearby trails, and that's when they found Taj, the golden retriever. He was wandering unleashed and alone. That is a huge red flag. Yes, it is. So it would be the following evening on June 1st, which this is when Mm -hmm. she was supposed to start that job. Right. That searchers would find the campsite. It was a quarter mile from the Skyline Drive and a half mile from the lodge. They were off the main trail as guidelines at the time required such. Yeah, so you weren't allowed to camp on the trail. You had to be out of sight of the trail. Makes sense. Yeah. And searchers would find that both women had been murdered. Lolly was found inside the tent, and Julie was found with her sleeping bag and sleeping pad approximately 30 to 40 feet away and down a little embankment. They were both bound with duct tape and gagged, and their throats had been slit. Oh my god. Uh, Oh my god. Oh my god, I'd rather just be shot. Right? I'd rather just be shot. Oh my god. Like, just, no. A gun is loud, though. So? You're in a crowded national park. A gun is loud. Well, yeah, I know, but... They do have DNA... Hairs are found in gloves at the scene and in the duct tape used to bind them. Their camera was there and police found pictures of their trip on it. But nothing that would suggest this violence. Yeah. So the park is federal jurisdiction. So only the federal government has law enforcement authority. As we know. Yeah. So special agents that are part of the National Park Service along with the FBI handled the investigation. The Virginia State Police had come to handle the crime scene. Right, and from what I understand, they just didn't have the resources to handle the crime scene at the time. Here's something interesting. They actually wait 36 hours after the discovery before announcing it to the public. And guess what? They call it an isolated incident. Again, we talked about this in our last episode. How could you even call it an isolated incident? It's like saying, don't be scared. Don't be vigilant. This is an isolated incident. Nobody's out there murdering people and might be coming for you. And you guys, this park is packed. It's a holiday weekend. It is packed. Yeah. And this was not the first murder in this park. On March 2, this same year, Alicia Showalter got into her car to drive from Baltimore to Charlottesville to visit her mother. But she never arrived at her location, and her car was found on the side of the road in Shenandoah National Park with a white napkin attached to the windshield. 
possibly to indicate that the car was broken down. But there seemed to be no issue with the vehicle. Police were actually able to start it. A roadblock was set up and a witness said that they had seen her talking to a man on the side of the road with a blue pickup truck. Also, at least 20 women came forward saying that while driving on this same stretch of road, that a man in a truck had tried to get them to pull over by flashing his lights, honking, and yelling that there was something wrong with their cars. No. No. Some had actually pulled over and some had even gotten a ride from him to a payphone and nothing had happened. Others said that he became enraged and tried to attack them. I bet you there's a preference in women. Or a trigger. Her remains were found about 15 miles from her car. So, (laughs) I get that maybe police don't want the general public to know that now they have another murder in their park. But come on. Yeah, that's... Just tell the public. Let's just tell the public what's Well, happening. let them know what they're getting themselves in for, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, fuck. The investigation into Julie and Lolly's murder yield no results. It's just stagnant. There is nothing happening. They have no suspects. They have nothing. Because remember, we're in 1996. Um. Also, do we know if these girls were... But do we know if these girls were a couple, too, or are they friends? They were a couple. They were a couple? Yep. So they followed up on more than 15,000 leads. And over a year passed, and police were no closer to finding out who murdered the women. Here's the thing. The lodge did have a bar, restaurants, and cabins. And with it being the weekend after Memorial Day, it would have been packed. Right, which means them delaying even announcing that this happened could have meant that a lot of people left the park without knowing that they were in a potential crime scene and area. And potentially could have seen something. Yeah. Now, in July of 1997, Yvonne Malbasha from Canada set out to go on a bike ride on Shenandoah's Skyline Drive. And this is like a long stretch of road that kind of goes from one end of the park to the other. Gotcha. She was there with a friend, but the two had become separated. And this did not concern her. But guess what? She had never even heard about the previous murders in the park. So she's from Canada. She had no idea that people had been murdered in the park. um, People are murdered all the time. Probably in, in every national, national park. park that you've been so in. maybe before you go to a national park, just do a little Google search. See when the last time someone was murdered there was. And then base your vigilance off, off of, that of that information. No kidding. At mile post 57, as she pedaled along the road, a truck runs her off the road. <laughs> he screamed for her to show him her tits and actually jumped out of the truck enraged. He threw a soda can at her and then attacked her. Like, what in the actual fuck? He tried to force her into the truck, and she was able to fight him off by throwing her water bottle at him and then using her bike as a blockade. She actually hid behind trees, too, as he got back in his truck and repeatedly tried to run her over. 
That's fucking terrifying. Dude, that's from like zero. You're like riding down the road, enjoying the views. Nice and quiet probably. Maybe you have headphones in. Maybe you don't. Listening to the birds chirp. And then all of a sudden, an enraged psychopath is trying to run you over with his truck and trying to kidnap you. Like, no, so stressful. Luckily, he did give up and ended up speeding away. The very next vehicle that showed up was a ranger. And they actually, because of this, were able to apprehend the man before he left the park. Shit. I know. And inside his vehicle, they found hand and leg restraints. He also had a change of clothes and had put his license plate back on after attacking her. So obviously he had gone into the park with the intent to harm. This man's name was Daryl David Rice, and he was in his late 20s. He lived in Columbia, Maryland, and was single with no children. He's kind of young, I feel like, for this. And what's more, he had no criminal record at all. But he had been fired from his job the month prior for being extremely hostile at work. So what did he get fired for at work, you may ask yourself? He um, yelled sexual profanities at his coworkers and punched a hole in the wall. Okay, Andy. He, uh, he also stole their lunches and purposely bumped them so they would spill their coffee. What? How old are you? How old? I know, he's a such a fucking bully. Is this workplace or fucking middle school? Like, he must have just been like having a mental crisis because... This is not normal, acceptable behavior in any setting. No. So in 1998, he pled guilty to the attempted kidnapping and was sentenced to 135 months in Petersburg Federal Penitentiary. So needless to say, Rice became a suspect in the murders of Julie and Lolly and also the murder of Alicia Showalter. Possibly the Route 29 stalker, which is what they called the man that had been flagging down all the women. Yeah. Which, you know, possible. Dude, I would say that he's probably most likely responsible for that, more likely than even the murders. But I feel like Alicia Showalter, for sure, because she had the napkin on her windshield, like Like something was wrong with her car. Which, it honestly could be a thing, and he could have just gotten enraged by her riding her bike on the road. Like, he could have been driving and she was in his way, and that was enough of a trigger for him to try to run down the girl on the bike. Well, and here's the thing. Normally, he flags down cars. This isn't that much different. But how do you flag down a bike and say there's something wrong? You don't. You You run them off the road. Yeah. Prosecution noted the obvious parallels in geographic location and predatory behavior exhibited and the exclusive selection of female victims, all made him seem good for yeah, these murders. All these murders, everything. And it gets even better. He was seen on video on May 25 of 1996. So they went in on the 19th. They were in there for a few days. They came back out. They went back in. They were reported missing on the 31st. And their bodies were found on, on the 1st. Which means on the 25th, Kind of. Could work. Could could line up with our timeline for sure. Right. So he's seen on video on May 25 at 8.05 p.m. at the front royal entrance. He was seen again on May 26 at 4.57 p.m. at Rockfish Gap. 
he returned to the park on June 1. So he comes into the park on the 25th. He leaves the park on the 26th. He comes back to the park on June 1, which is the day that she is found. He admits to the June 1st visit, but denies being there on the 25th and 26th. But he was there. Yeah. And on the June 1st visit, he's there with friends. So he can't really deny that one. On April 10 of 2001, so they've had, they have time because this guy's in jail, right? So on April 10 of 2001, Attorney General John Ashcroft announced the indictment of Daryl Rice in the murders of Julie Williams and Loli Winnens. As to motive, police believe that Daryl killed the women because they were gay. This was something that he did have an issue with. An undercover FBI agent was placed in a cell with him, and he admitted that he had only engaged in two sexual relationships with women, and the last one had been in 1991. He also said that he was inadequate sexually, that he couldn't find a girlfriend, and that he substituted pornography for sexual relations. I bet that undercover cop was just having a fucking blast in there talking oh, to this I, guy. I fucking bet. He was charged with four counts of capital murder as well as the charge of a hate crime. And if convicted, he could get the death penalty. So they decide to charge him for these murders. They spent years building a case against Rice, but it was entirely circumstantial. In 2003, a hair found at the crime scene was tested... DNA results showed that it did not match Rice. Oh, shit. In 2004, the charges were dropped without prejudice. And without prejudice means that they could still file charges at a later date. Gotcha. Okay. He was released from prison on the kidnapping charge in 2011 without charges being refiled against him. Okay. This man seems kind of interesting. I was going to say, should he be out anyway? I don't think so. But look at this. He almost went down or could have gone down for these murders. But DNA showed that he wasn't a match. Yeah. But didn't he already commit another crime? Didn't he try to run down that biker? Isn't that? Yeah, that's it. He just got out of jail for that. Why is he not? He should not be in public. I don't care if he didn't do these murders. But that sounds like if you have wrist... And ankle restraints in your car? Yeah. You probably are a danger to the public. I'm sorry. 100%. But that's my personal opinion. 100%. Another name that came up in this investigation was Richard Ivanitz, a serial killer, kidnapper, and rapist. And his final victim had actually escaped by unscrewing herself from his bondage board. I don't like that. And running naked into a parking lot to flag down a ride to the police station. Dude, I I feel bad because I can't imagine what I would do if I... I mean, me like seeing a naked, probably bloody beaten woman running. Terrified. Yeah. Terrified. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm not, sh- I'm not, I don't even know what I would do. I don't even know. I think I don't sh- even- you would be in shock for starters. Yeah, I don't even know. And when police chased him down, he called his sister and confessed that he had killed more people than he could remember. And as police dogs attacked him, he shot himself. When they compared his DNA to the hair, it matched all but two 
of the 650 base pairs. This was a while ago, and if tested again, they might actually be able to confirm whether or not this was his DNA. But that has not happened. And in 2004, police said that it was inconclusive. Hmm. So, yeah. In 2021, so last year, the FBI handed out posters looking for information on this 25-year anniversary How? of their murders. Okay, suspicious. I'm suspicious because, the tw- like, 2021 was the 25-year anniversary of this case, and it just happens that in 2021... Another couple is another murdered. Another... Thank you. ...gay couple is murdered Thank in you. a similar violent fashion. In another national park. In another national park. That... Has anybody looked at the connection or possible connection to these two cases? Because 25 years, if you think about it, think about this. Well, who knows if there's other ones in between this that are True. But think about this. If this man would have been... Say he was 25 when he murdered this couple. Right? He's only going to be in his 50s. Yeah. When... The second couple is murdered. If he's in his 30s, he's going to be in his 60s. Still doable. And, yeah, still doable. Still totally doable. And think about this. In the second one, they are shot, which is an easier weapon if you're older than trying to restrain two people. You got a gun? Yep. That's going to stop someone. Right. And that's, you got three seconds and both people are gone. Right. I, I would like to know. If they could compare the DNA from this case to DNA in the new case. Well, it would also make sense why the women, if the man was older, the women weren't sexually assaulted in this in the second murder. Because if he's that older... They, that they know of. Well, yeah, yeah that they know of. Either yeah. A, he's found a better way to sexually assault them and hide it. Or B, he, he doesn't couldn't. need to do that or can't do that anymore. Yeah. So we're not saying that these cases are connected, but I would be very interested to know. Also, I would like to know why the FBI is spending their resources on making flyers for this anniversary and handing out flyers, which may not even reach the majority of people who might have been in the area, instead of retesting this DNA. Maybe they did. Maybe it's inconclusive. Maybe it's not. Maybe they found out it's not his. But so many people are upset that they are not testing this DNA, that they're not putting it into the system and running it against other cases or other people. I feel like they would confirm if they had done that. Don't you think? Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. But yeah. Let us know what you guys think. I find it a very uncomfortable connection to the two. So, yes, these parks are quite a distance from each other, right? They're basically, like, straight across the United States. But still, only a day. Israel Keys. Yeah, only a day's drive. And there's no way of knowing, rather, this man lived... In the same state 25 what years if later. He's, what if he's a camping nomad? Super, super strange. The connections in these cases, the connections in the first case to the Gabby Petito case. I mean, it's just so bizarre. 
It's so bizarre. Yeah. And also, even though this crazy psychopath might not have done it, I'm kind of upset that he's out of jail. The one that ran down the one girl with his car. Imagine someone literally tries to run you over with a bike and they get let out of jail because they're not convicted of, they're not being convicted of someone else's murder. Right. But that still happened to you. Right. Well, not only that, but there's a bunch of other women who were attacked on this road. So could they not give a positive ID? Did they try? I mean, I, I don't know. I would like to know more about that whole situation. And also, can we spend some time, just a little bit of time in every police department, getting some of our cold case DNA into the system and further investigated? Because... Yes, please. Please. But yeah, so that is the case of Julianne Williams and Laura Winnens, or Lolly. And that's how it connects, kind of, in a roundabout way to the case that we just covered, and to the Gabby Petito case. Let us know what you guys think. We would love to know what your opinion is on both of these cases. Please, let us know. I don't like this case. Maddie doesn't like this case. Shocking. I don't like this case either. I mean, it's really difficult to have these people, these women who are out there hiking and it's not safe for them. It's very, very upsetting. Also, we would like to thank Marian Shepard for buying our coffee today. Thank you very much. Thank you so, so much. We really appreciate you. Everybody, please go check out our Patreon. We posted a hiking with Hannah last week. If you guys want to hear about that, go join our Patreon. I think we have four hiking with Hannah's now. It's basically where we take my sister Hannah, who is not a hiker, into the woods, and we try not to kill her. Yep. And in this particular hike, there were lots of tears. There was lots of cursing. And she demanded that we call a rescue helicopter, which we did not do, but was almost needed. So if you want to hear more about that, Go and check us out on Patreon. Thank you, everybody who has supported us. You guys are amazing, and we couldn't do this without you. Yes. Thanks, guys, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Speaking of hearing voices, I heard the story of this girl talking about how she was convinced that she had schizophrenia and, like, went to doctors and everything because she was hearing voices and, like, kind of hallucinating. And she, like, literally thought she had skits. Turns out that there were people living in her basement. Oh, my God. Having meth parties downstairs. So she was, like, getting secondhand high off of meth. And And actually hearing voices because there were people, like... In the basement of, like, whatever she was living in. Oh, my God. That's so concerning. So she, like, went to the doctor. I feel like that would happen to you. <laughs> I feel like I would go search my house, and I feel like you would go to the doctor thinking you well, had schizophrenia. Well, I assume she didn't have access to this basement. I would assume. I would hope so. She was, know. like, rent. She was, like, pretty young, so I assume she was, like, renting yeah. a space and didn't have access to the basement, and that's why she didn't know there were people in there. Yeah. I literally am so fucking sorry. I don't know what my fucking problem is. I literally Madison can't stop won't stop like clicking her fingernails. No, like I'm she's sh- picking at them 
And I've smacked her multiple times now. And she now has her hands tucked into her robe and is trying to prevent herself from touching her fingernails. I literally can't help myself. I just keep I doing it. I don't know what's I, wrong with her. You I guys, can't stop myself. I literally don't know what's wrong with My her. My fingernails feel dirty. Okay. Well, how do you how do your fingernails feel dirty? Do you have dirt in them? No. Well, oh my God. I feel like there's stuff in my fingernails. Okay. But there's really not anything in my fingernails. Okay. 